Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Mini Skirt. My name is Jessica. And my name is Sarah. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Heaven in a Mini Skirt. And you can go to our website at heaveninaminiskirt.com. Sarah, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. So today's topic is actually part two in a three partish series on Were They Gay? Reexamining couples within the Bible. So, part two. Pop there. I'm so excited because part one was about a couple months ago. We did an episode on King David and Jonathan, and it was so fun going through that story. Me learning about that story really almost for the first time because, you know, again, I was part of Christianity, didn't really read all of the stories in the Bible. And Sarah knew all about it and really we dove we dove in pretty hard to that one there was a lot of discussion and it was really fun and we came up with our own conclusions on whether or not they're gay and so I'm really excited for this one too we're gonna talk about we are gonna talk about David's great-grandmother and his great-great-grandmother Naomi and Ruth what you didn't know that oh Oh, yeah I I don't know anything (laughs) I actually I don't know anything about this story all right i truly don't i've heard the names and in the past few weeks i have avoided any like social media that will talk about them if i see like a video on tiktok and they i just keep going because i really want to be surprised and i want you guys to get my fresh take on it we'll get to it we're gonna start off by watching uh, a video remember the how we had the saddleback kids video on youtube it was like a bible story yes do you have it again i got that one for <laughs> naomi and Stop. ruth so we're just gonna go right there <laughs> We're going to get into it. (laughs) Oh, man. I was wondering if you were going to bring that again. So this will give listeners an overview of Naomi and Ruth. Their story is from the book of Ruth in the Bible. I think it's one of two books named after a woman. Lots of men's (laughs) names in there. but What's the other book named after a woman? Esther? Esther. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Ruth and Naomi. I like the children's overviews because, you know, they're just so simple. You ready? Okay. Ruth and Naomi. This is Naomi, who was a Jewish woman from Bethlehem in Judah. Naomi's husband took her and her two sons to live in a country called Moab because there was a famine in Judah. While they were in Moab, Naomi's husband died and her sons married two Moabite women named Orpah and Ruth. But then Naomi's sons died, leaving Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth alone. Naomi heard that God had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops for food again. So Naomi took her two daughters-in-law and set out for Judah. On the way, Naomi told her daughters-in-law to go back to their mother's homes. They all cried and then Ruth and Orpah told Naomi that they wanted to go with her to her people. 
but Naomi told them to go home and marry other men. They all cried again, and Orpah said goodbye. Ruth clung tightly to Naomi, though. Naomi told her that she should go like Orpah did, but Ruth said, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. When Naomi saw that Ruth was set on going with her, she said nothing more. So Ruth and Naomi went back to Judah. When the people in Bethlehem saw Naomi, they were excited. But Naomi said, Call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. When Ruth and Naomi returned, it was harvest time in Bethlehem. Ruth went to gather grain in the field of a man named Boaz. Boaz treated Ruth with kindness and made sure that she and Naomi had food from the fields. Naomi heard of this and told Ruth that Boaz was a close relative of Naomi's husband, so he could be her husband. Ruth went to Boaz and told him that he was her family's redeemer. Boaz then put everything in order to take Ruth as his wife. Ruth and Boaz had a son named Obed. Naomi cared for Obed as if he were her own. Obed went on to have a son of his own named Jesse, and he had a son named David, who would be the great king of Israel, who defeated a giant named Goliath. And many, many years later, Ruth and Boaz's descendants would include Jesus, the savior of the world. Ooh, the pure family tree. <laughs> yes, the pure line. Makes me think of the Da Vinci Code. Okay, that was an interesting story. So far, I am not convinced that Naomi and Ruth are gay together. Just from that story. So let's see where the rest goes. What do you think just by hearing just that? No, I don't. But it'll be interesting when we get into the points to kind of see what your thoughts are. And I still lean on, honestly, I still lean on the side of them not being gay. But I think it's an interesting concept and it's something that really wasn't examined as a potential queer story until the 1900s by feminist theorists that were kind of like mapping queer experiences onto certain Bible stories. First off, I wanted to start with a couple things. So how many times do you think female homosexuality is mentioned in the Old Testament? Zero. Good. Correct. Zero. <laughs> it's all about... I don't like being correct in this case, actually. Well, the men that wrote the Bible, because it was all men, they don't like anal sex. They don't like sodomy. They're very, very uncomfortable with men having sex with each other. Mm -hmm. Lesbians just are not mentioned. Female sexuality is not really mentioned much in general. Well, yeah, of course it's not. Well, it's mentioned once in the New Testament by who do you think? Who do you think mentions it? Just wild guess. Jesus? Who's our least favorite person? I don't know. Who? Sean McDowell. Uh, Paul! Oh, Paul! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna... The one... Yeah, not Sean McDowell. Sorry, I just... My mind was just not on Paul for one fucking day. So uh, this is like... Romans 1 24 to 27 and this is the only time that female homosexuality is mentioned in the bible so I'll get you to read that out okay so Romans 1 24 therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. (laughs) Exclamation mark. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Hmm. And the men likewise gave up their natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Yeah. So basically women gave up the natural way of being with men and were with each other. It depends on the translation that you look at, but this is the only time where female same-sex activity is mentioned in the Bible. Oh, okay. And so this is in Romans and that is in the New Testament. Yeah. It was a letter to the Romans and he's just talking about what happens when you don't have God, essentially. So it's like the godlessness of it. So, I mean, when you look at the Old Testament, there's tons of times where they mention like, you know, men having sex with each other or other men wanting to have sex with other men, but it's never mentioned mm. for women. Of course. But not. I feel like I feel like it's one of those things where women are just less talked about in general and less represented in general throughout history. Mm-hmm. Their perspectives are barely there in the Bible. Like it's a really big deal that in the book of Ruth that Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah are all mentioned by name because usually it's just like so-and-so's wife or like so-and-so's mother and how sad is that that that's a big deal i know (laughs) that's so depressing it's funny you know until you actually deconstruct and and think about it this way like the bible is so sexist and you know growing up you probably wouldn't have thought that you know especially if you haven't deconstructed you're just like it's the word of god but then you realize that this is all written by men about men fuck the women the only important woman was the one who gave birth to jesus and they don't (laughs) even Remember when we talked about in the Christmas episode, there was like books in the Bible that don't even really mention Mary and she's literally the one giving birth. Yeah. She's like a secondary character in one of the gospels. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the theme of, you know, history until very recently. And there are only certain countries really where women have equal rights at this point. And I was curious just to kind of frame gay rights in a global scale And only 17% of the world's population has access to same-sex marriage. Whoa. Yeah. So it's like 34 countries currently in 2023 recognize same-sex marriage. And yeah, wow. so I was I was just talking with my partner early today and I was like, it's kind of like mind-blowing when you think about it that us existing is super offensive for billions of people. Like that's it's kind of depressing when you think about it that way. Even if you're not gay, I think just the sometimes the existence of an outspoken woman would be (laughs) would be offensive to millions or billions. Yeah. And we've come so far in the last century, like it's really only been almost a hundred years in Canada that women have had the vote. We would have been burned at the stake if we were this outspoken like 150 (laughs) years ago so (laughs) so I mean like obviously when we're looking at the history looking at it in context like obviously in biblical times it was totally different like women didn't have any agency whatsoever so I guess we can kind of get into the story just I wanted to highlight the one verse in the bible that mentions female same-sex activity because really it's just not something that's addressed or spoken about it's a pretty big book yeah it's a pretty big book pretty big book so I went back and reread all of the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters, so it's pretty doable. Okay. So I kind of just summarized it and thought we could go part by part. Quick little fun fact, though. Orpah is actually, Oprah was supposed to be named after, like Oprah, the Oprah was supposed to be named after Orpah, but like it was spelled wrong. (gasps) Really? (laughs) Yeah. That is a fun fact. Yeah, that's where Oprah's name came from. So I'll kind of just go through point by point. 
to give some context because obviously the the Bible story gives an overview, but it's not really going into the history and the context of that time as much as I would like to. So so basically we're going to be just all include the Bible verses. But if you look at like the first chapter of Ruth, it's really just like there's a big famine in the land in Bethlehem where they're from. And so Naomi and her two sons and her husband moved to Moab. So the people in Moab would not have been, they would not have worshipped Yahweh. They would not have been Jewish. But her sons ended up marrying two Moabite women. And in the time, whenever a woman married a man, the woman would, like in that culture, would take on his religion. So Orpah and Ruth married the two sons of Naomi. And then they were there for 10 years. And then the sons actually died, leaving her daughter-in-laws both as widows. And so Naomi wanted to return back home. And she basically said to her daughter-in-law, you need to go, go back to the homes of your mothers, go back to Moab or stay here and find another husband. Because at the time they had, women could not inherit property. So they had no inheritance. They had no means. They had access to nothing. Yeah. So it all had to be. What if your husbands die? Which I feel like they did a lot back then. Well, if you actually look, so the culture, it was typically if your husband died, then you would marry one of his brothers to keep the family name. And so you would keep all the property and the family. We talked about this. Yeah. What if he doesn't have a brother? Well, this was the this was the problem here. There were no brothers. This is a flawed system. Yeah. Guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> We gotta rewrite the system. Yeah, or just not. Or just not be this patriarchal. Yeah. Um, with the passing down of property. And so Ruth says that she wants to stay. And so Orpa goes back, but Ruth has this big speech that she says, which I'm gonna read to you. It's interesting. I just wanna say though that like the three of them are talking. They they start going back and then the three of them are talking. Why didn't Naomi just tell them before she left that she's leaving? Like what she told them, like, No, we wanna come with you and then she really like again was like, No, please Oh, and then during the walk she did yeah. it again. In Ruth one, sixteen to seventeen, this was the vow that Ruth made to Naomi. She said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do thus, so to me, and more as well if even death parts me from you. So this, this is actually something that's used a lot in Christian wedding vows because it's a beautiful declaration of her loyalty. And that was very unusual for the time, right? Because there was no sort, it was big on like your relatives being bound by marriage, but there was nothing binding them other than the fact that she had been married to his son. So obviously they had a very special relationship and it wasn't, you know, Naomi and Ruth had zero protection. That's why Naomi wanted to return back to Bethlehem so that she could be around male relatives and and closer to her family. So, I mean, this is one of the ones where some feminist queer scholars will say, well, this is like a marriage vow. This is a declaration of her before God. And they say this can be a model of a lesbian relationship or a lesbian marriage vow within the Bible, like their their form of loyalty to each other. I'm not a theologian, so I can't argue that. At this point, it does seem maybe like they certainly could be together, but it does seem like a little bit of a stretch, more of a stretch than Jonathan and David so far. That's what I'm kind of feeling. Definitely, I, I feel the same. In Ruth one fourteen. It talks about when Naomi was telling them to leave, but Ruth clung to her. And the word that it uses, dakab, 
the clinging or the cleaving to is the same word that is used to describe in Genesis 2 when Adam and Eve they meet and they become one it says like a man a man will leave his mother and father and be cleaved or he will become one with his wife and this is the same word that's used Okay. However, the word decap can be used to describe romantic relationships, but it's also used to describe like a king that clung to God or a king that was like united with God. So it's not necessarily a romantic connotation. But it's definitely more than just like, oh, she she held onto her arm. No, yeah, exactly. Like there's more of an implication to that word. It's a stronger word. Yeah, it's a profound becoming one. And I mean saying that wherever you go, I will go wherever you stay, I will stay that your family, your people will be my people, your God will be my God, where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. I mean, that is a very beautiful demonstration of loyalty within their relationship, whether it's a platonic family love or a romantic love. I probably wouldn't say that to my mother in law. So I'm <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, I feel like for their relationship at this point, from what we understand from the Book of Ruth so far, this is a pretty intense statement. And it's very countercultural. So the typical system of the day, like these were two women that had free agency that were like living and traveling together. So they get back to Bethlehem and that's when Ruth goes out into the fields and she meets Boaz, who ends up being a relative of Naomi and a relative of her late husband. And he's very, very kind to her. Like he's like, oh, drop extra wheat so she can get it. And he gives her some grain. And then so Ruth brings home like all of the grain to Naomi and then... Naomi says, I want you to seduce Boaz and marry him. Yeah, see, they didn't say this in the children's Bible story. No. Now, (laughs) when they were explaining this in the Saddleback Kids video, I was like, she just went and was like, let's get married. I think there might be more to the story here. So there is. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to open a link. There's a really good article. It's qspirit.net. So it's a queer Christian website. And it's talking all about this point of view that they were more than just like mother-in-law and daughter-in-law basically she says go and seduce Boaz so back in the day back then if you went and lied down at the bottom of a man's bed while he was sleeping and you like took the blanket off his feet and you laid at his feet that was a sign that you were asking for protection and like asking for him to be like your provider and so that was kind of Ruth's proposal to him she went and uncovered his feet when he was asleep and it says that he he had there had been a feast or a celebration he had been drinking he was feeling pretty good and he he lies down and then she sneaks in once he's asleep and uncovers his feet and then he wakes up in the morning and he's like what the fuck why why is a woman here she waited for him to wake up yeah oh my god this is so creepy and then she's like i want you to be my protector kind of thing and he says oh like i gotta go talk to some other dude because apparently there was some other dude that wanted to marry her potentially but then because he was because he was a family member he could get the inheritance of her former husband and so basically he was like i want to marry her they again did not explain this in the saddleback video yeah so that's the context so that naomi would have access to the wealth as well and so they get married and then boaz and ruth they have a baby she gets pregnant and after she has the baby it's really interesting because it's like they had a baby but then the women that are there also in the room they say to Naomi like you are so lucky to have Ruth she's been better to you than seven sons and then they give 
this baby Obed to Naomi and they say Naomi has a son and then it says Naomi was his foster mother. What? So you have this really kind of unconventional family where like Naomi was super involved in caring for Obed and raising him and she was called his foster mother but then he also had Boaz as his dad and Ruth as his mom. So that's where some queer scholars are like, well, it was more like she was like, go seduce Boaz so that we can get an heir. And then they were both the moms. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And it's, it doesn't seem like it's explained in any way. Yeah. So it's kind of unusual that they would be like, you're the foster mom, because I don't know any other places in scripture where that happens. Like, do you want me to read that verse to you? Sure. So this is Ruth 4, 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. And he went into her. Nice. And the Lord <laughs> gave her conception and she bore a son. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes the wording, he went into her. He penetrated her and she conceived and they bore a son. Dance. This is how it happened. This is how it happened. <laughs> then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Okay. Was she nursing him? I, like, I, and then I don't know. The women of the neighborhood said, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So I'm going to look at a different... Oh, this is English Standard Version. I'm going to look at NIV and see what... Okay. So next version is... not You're going to look at the new international version? Yeah. Okay. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women there said, Naomi has a son and they named him Obed. Why? I just don't understand. Obviously, there's a lot of things about the Bible I don't understand. Cultural context could be something that I don't understand as well. But why would Ruth give her baby but be okay with this? Like, I, I understand, like, if they're lovers. Like, is Boaz, like, a cuckold? Like, this doesn't... I'm starting to get confused. This it's is not confusing. widely discussed on Christian websites. Like, I feel like when you look at a lot of websites like gotquestions.org or, like, Answers in Genesis, they're very defensive of the fact that Jonathan and David were not gay because it's I feel like it's such a robust argument that they were you know you know what I mean oh that is true actually from from the erection to being like you know I don't love women as much as you it's like yeah but I feel like there's less of a defense against Naomi and Ruth because it could be just a very profound friendship why do we think though like, obviously, there is not as much evidence biblically. Like, there's no talk of erections, but there is talk about embraces. There's just such a different feeling in society when it comes to gay men versus lesbians. I don't know. People don't seem to care as much about lesbians than they do about gay men. What's that like in the LGBTQ community? I think if you look at sort of the patriarchal structures within our society, men, quote unquote, benefit from lesbianism because men find it sexually attractive when heterosexual looking or like feminine presenting women are intimate with each other. So the vast majority of people that watch lesbian porn are straight men. 
if you look at lesbian porn, it's not always an accurate representation of actual lesbian sex. No like, fucking oftentimes. shit. <laughs> I gotta say that goes for all porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. But yeah, they have like really long fucking nails and it just, <laughs> it's not an accurate representation. So I feel like lesbianism is not as threatening to men, especially where men might benefit from it. But I think men are directly threatened by effeminate men. Mark Driscoll. Mark Driscoll, yes, but... Like even our posts that we have, when people are commenting, you know, on the posts that you had about the age of marriage where they're like, you can criticize a woman for getting married at 18, but you're okay with a man wearing a dress. Like it's always very much so tired of those comments. these cultural gender stereotypes and anything that deviates from them makes people within Christianity very uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's like they're talking about men wearing dresses. They're not talking about women wearing pants or women wearing men's clothes they're not talking about lesbians they're talking about gay men yeah there is a huge difference in our perceptions of these groups of people and even the way in modern society that we value traditionally masculine traits over traditionally feminine traits like in the bible for instance there are characters such as deborah or tamar that are celebrated as like strong women that were heroes that kind of broke the stereotypes of the day yeah you don't hear people celebrating like the eunuchs the men that had their dicks cut off really they're not not as much yeah so like toxic masculinity and men like mark driscoll men like the toxic masculine pastors of today what they attribute to it is weakness which which I find really interesting because that's just their perception of weakness. Like if, if a man is sensitive, they're like, oh, he's weak. And I'm like, I could argue that he's actually stronger. Yeah. And even like the last episode we had on Boy Meets Girl Say Hello to Courtship, when he was listing gender roles and what people had to do, like, yes, he emphasized that men had to be leaders, but he put such an emphasis on mothering and motherhood, but almost nothing on fatherhood. When if you actually look at studies, fatherhood if a father is present, that has more of an influence on kids than actual mothering. Really? Yeah. And I mean, I think studies, obviously, the role of a mother is really important. But I think the studies that are looking at like when a father is absent, there's more absent fathers than absent mothers anyway. So I think that kids really do benefit from having engaged fathers. I'm just looking quickly like a variety of studies suggest that father's engagement positively impacts their children's social competence children's later iq and other learning outcomes the effect of fathers can include later life educational social and family outcomes paternal engages decreases boys negative social behavior delinquency and decreases girls psychological problems in adulthood father's financial support apart from engagement can also influence cognitive development well, I think it I think it is important because I think if men don't have good male role models, you know, that's going to have a huge impact and if girls don't have like a healthy relationship with their father who's like affirming them and respecting them, then they're not going to necessarily have the same basis for learning to respect themselves when they're interacting with men in romantic relationships. Yeah, and obviously this is like a massive generalization, but it does huge generalization, yeah. But life is about generalizations. But it does make sense. But I think baby Obed was really lucky because he had two moms and a dad. Wow. Right? Yay. <laughs> I know. So, so what do we think? Do you think that they were gay? Oh, there's just not enough evidence. Okay, so if we're going to compare no. Naomi and Ruth's story to Jonathan and David's story, like there really just isn't as much meat to the story of Ruth and Naomi. I think there is the vow that they make to each other. 
the devotion, the kind of like her getting Ruth to go and seduce a man. It wasn't like about the romance between them. To be fair, marriages were not about romance then, not until very recently in history. But the fact that like it was all their plan and their power together and then that they both were mothering the child. It's interesting. It's definitely a break from gender stereotypes of the time. And it's representation of a story that's centered around women, which you just don't see in the Bible. Women are barely ever the center of a story and there are barely ever like multiple women that are interacting with each other and it's centric around them. And if there is, they're just like this woman, the other Mary, and another woman went to the tomb of Jesus. They don't even really care who it is. Yeah. I am, I have no conclusion here, actually. I... I can't draw a conclusion. I felt like in the Jonathan and David episode, I knew exactly my conclusion on this story. Naomi and Ruth, like, I feel very... I have a fluid opinion on this. I'm happy if they were lesbians, and I'm happy if they were, like, a more of a family companionship. That's great, too. So what are your conclusions after all this? Um, With my conclusions, I think that there isn't enough information, but I think that... It could serve as a biblical example for female devotion. And I just think it's cool and important to have stories that portray women having relationships with other women, whether that's romantic or not, but it's not just their value in relation to men. It kind of reminded me of like, have you heard of the Bechdel test? It's really interesting. So the Bechdel test, it's a measure of the representation of women in film. And so the test asks whether a film features at least two women talking to each other about something other than a man. Oh my God, that's so depressing. What are the statistics? (laughs) According to a 2014 study of 120 films worldwide from 2010 to 2013, only 31% of the characters were female. And 23% of films had a female protagonist or co-protagonist. 7% of directors were female. In 82% of films, men had two of the top three speaking roles, while women only had the most dialogue in 22% of films. So as of April 2015, 58% of films passed the test. So only 58% of films had like two women having a conversation about something other than a man. Isn't that kind of... so depressing. So depressing. But I think that it has gotten better since then. I think that representation has become more important since 2015. Well, let's see. 20, maybe 2022. Harry Potter passes the Bechdel test. Oh, good. At least it passes one good test. But I think that that just speaks to like, yes, we were growing up in a time when women had equal legal standing before the law in general with men. But the representation, what we saw in the media, what we saw represented in leadership within our religions, within the stories that were told within the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder, does the Bible pass the Bechdel test? No. What do you think? I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to Google it. I think no. I guess Ruth and Naomi talked about stuff that wasn't men, but like the women in the New Testament probably just always talked about Jesus. I mean, the Bible is huge, but it does technically pass the Bechdel test. The book of Ruth passes the Bechdel test as well. Okay. Interesting. So moving on, do you want to watch TikToks? Do you have any TikToks? Because I have TikToks. Yeah, I have a couple TikToks to show you. Okay, you put yours on and then I'll play mine. I have one that is just absolute gold. I have Jagazes. So this is Jagazes, and I love Jagazes. He's on TikTok and Instagram. Okay, you ready? Let's talk about Ruth and Naomi. Lesbians? Maybe. Ruth 
was married to the son of Naomi and she wasn't even Jewish. Is that bit important? I don't know, but it was back then. When Naomi and Ruth's husbands died, that's when they do something crazy. They stay together, which without their husbands or blood connection in common is really kind of unthinkable in that culture. Because back then you needed to be married to a man to do anything. Not wanting to leave Naomi, Ruth says her famous words that are repeated all the time in like straight marriages. She says, for wherever you go, I go. Wherever you lodge, I lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Later when they move towns, Naomi convinces Ruth to like seduce Boaz and then she has a child with him. Naomi raises that baby as her own. There's the biological parents and Naomi, her foster parent. Oh, Not only are Ruth and Naomi queer icons, but that baby goes on to be the great grandfather of King David, who as we discussed was kind of gay. <laughs> I love him. Yes, he is kind of gay. Yeah, he has a good point. Um, there was another one. Okay. Thank you, sis, for coming to my page with that question because I'm about to help you out, for real. Number one, do not listen to that foolishness. Homosexuals want to twist the word of God to justify their sin, and it's just not going to happen. Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law, and I'll show you how. Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law because she had two sons, and they both were married, and they died. So she asked them to go back home, and they said, no, we want to stay with you. And she said, why? I don't have any more husbands to give to you. So, number one, they weren't lovers at all, 100%. They were her mother and daughter-in-law. Like, come on. Secondly, if they were lovers, why would she send Ruth off to Boaz to get married? She told her to put on perfume and just in nice clothes and lay at, lay at his threshing floor. There's a lot of wolves in sheep clothing. Pay no mind to that garbage. They were mother and daughter-in-law. Sheesh. Infallible logic, honestly. Just absolutely infallible. <sighs> All those homosexuals twist in scripture. She could have just made such a better argument. Her argument was literally just like, they couldn't have been lesbians because they were mother and daughter-in-law. Like, they could be both. That's like saying Lot and his daughters couldn't have had babies because <laughs> their father and daughters, but they did. They seduced and had sex with their dad. There's a lot yeah. more of that shit in the Bible than like Naomi and Ruth potentially being lovers. Okay. All right watch the video that i sent oh is this the this is a song i've seen this before this is my favorite tiktok <laughs> you ready yes so ready i could be a boss you could be my ruth you know you deserve that i'm gonna tell the truth you could even be from mo and i would think you're cute girl i could be a boss and you could be my ruth okay let's just cut this modern refrain take it back to the bc chit chat get away from the swapping right swapping left let's forget because i want to show i'm in a biblical zone and maybe we could build a home i just want you to know that I like this. They've got good energy. Look at how happy they are. Yeah, I mean, come on. The best part of that video is the dancing. So whoever's listening, you can, I'll put that link in our show notes because yeah. it's so good. But it's also like... Do we want to go back to the biblical times, though, when women can own property? Is that better than Tinder? Obviously for them. They're two white men. Of course it's better for them. But again, I think people project their current day values on it, right? They see like 
Oh, it's romantic. It doesn't seem romantic from what I've heard from this Bible story. It just seems pretty basic. I don't know. Bo- Boaz does seem like a really good dude. Like, I'll, I'll give him that. But one thing that I keep thinking, actually, is like, so we keep saying that women couldn't own property and they had no rights without a man. So, like, it makes sense that Naomi was like, hey, Ruth, go find a husband so that we can do shit. Yeah, it was to her own benefit as well, because then they got access to all of the inheritance from her husband and the sons. Yeah. Yeah. They kept it in the family. Well, that song's a banger. Yeah. Uh, So good. (laughs) So what did we learn? I think we can wrap up pretty soon. What did we learn? That... Sometimes it's we don't come to a conclusion at the end of episodes. That's something that I've learned today, that I don't really have a conclusion here. There's a lot of gray in life. There's a lot of gray in the Bible. I think a lot of theologians, what they're trying to do is make the Bible black and white. They're trying to explain, explain, explain. Sometimes it's just you can interpret it in so many different ways. And that's a lesson that we are learning constantly. And I would ask for people that would get offended by this interpretation, why is it so horrible and so awful that, you know, two women might have had a relationship? Because it's unnatural, Sarah. Yeah. And I I don't know how, like, I've been looking into... P P and V is the only natural way. Well, I've been looking into, like, how Christian scholars that are queer affirming, how they get around that first. Because in my opinion, that's, like, the hardest first to get around when it's, like... The where you go, I go? No, the natural and unnatural, like, Romans 126, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. But oftentimes, they'll say that that's in the context of temple prostitution. Okay. Oh, so they're just like context. So that it was that it was like women and men in in ancient Rome that were having like religious rituals that were like prostitution within the temple. And they're saying that that was the wrong thing and that it's not speaking to same sex monogamous loving relationships. Yeah, I mean, you can use a context argument for anything in the Bible, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I don't know, though. Want to hear a random fun fact? Sure. The Church of England is looking to start using the they pronoun for God. Really? Because God doesn't have a gender. Yeah. That's actually quite interesting. I'm going to see church. Yeah. Kind of cool, eh? Because God is non-binary. Church of England considers gender neutral pronouns for God. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that was on February 10th. Church of England is considering how to refer to God without assigning a gender, its governing body says. This is nothing new, a spokesperson for the Church of England said in a note to NPR. Christians have recognized since ancient times that God is neither male nor female. So they're not really like taking some sort of like gender stance, but they're, I find that's still interesting. Yeah. There you go. So to kind of sum things up, I mean, again, we don't need a story time with Sarah because the whole story of Ruth was the story time with Sarah. But number one. I think that the first episode, David and Jonathan, I would say 95% gay. That's my point of view. What percentage would you give it? I think I think similar, maybe 90, just because I like to leave a little room for nuance. But like I was... Like men stripping and getting erections? I Yeah. <laughs> they could just be friends. They're just friends, Sarah. They're just friends. But I, I was a lot more sure in that episode that they were for sure not just friends. And number two, Ruth and Naomi, what percent would you give it? I'm going to give it 50% because I feel this could go either way. I really do. I'm going to go even less. I'm going to say like 
25-30% because oh okay I do think that we are imposing our values on it and yes there could be room for it there are some definitely interesting countercultural things that are happening but was it just a deep devotion and maybe maybe Ruth's family sucked like maybe everyone was an asshole and she's like fuck this I'm gonna stay with you you're nicer that is something that I actually did consider when Orpa was like peace but then Ruth was like I'd rather stay with you Naomi maybe she didn't really have a family like we don't know what her family situation was yeah we don't even know if any of this is actually true or maybe she genuinely had converted to Judaism and she didn't want to go back to whatever other religion yeah you're right but I still want to say 50 50 because anything is possible yeah I'm really just not going to take a stance on this one because it's just there's not enough evidence and part three part three that will be coming down the line in a few within the next few months is was Jesus gay? Oh, that's going to be... We're going straight to hell for that one. Or maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm excited for that one. There might be more meat in that story because Jesus has a lot of presence, obviously, in the Bible. More than just one small book of the Bible. But he doesn't have a book named after him like Ruth does. Surprisingly. Surprisingly, doesn't. Surprisingly. But, but he is mentioned in a lot of books. Uh, almost all of them, actually, in the New Testament, I would say. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm excited to find out if Jesus was gay. We also have to do an episode on if Jesus was an alien, too. So I'm excited. Yeah, we got to do that. So we can wrap that up for now. So for those of you out there, gay, straight, bi, pan, whatever you are, keeping you and know that you might be represented in the Bible. Because God is not binary. Yeah. God does not have a gender. Yeah. God God isn't a human, so And God might not even be real. We don't know. Hey. <laughs> Peace hey, out. Hey, we don't know. Okay, bye. No, you can.